welcome folks to tonight's session. Tonight I'm going to be dealing with the topic of the power of sin in my life. And I was in a debate with one of our students this week, and I still said to them that uh, we're actually going to deal with this topic now, um, because it is something that is very, very relevant, and I want to deal with quite a few elements around this. And it starts with this question, did Jesus Christ die for every single person on this planet, and their sin, and anything that they've ever done wrong? Or did Jesus Christ only die for those that get born again? Okay, because that's quite a hectic statement and a question to ask. Because it affects a lot of things in our lives. And so today I want to deal with this thing because I believe that if we can deal with this thing properly, it's going to set us free in a lot of areas. Because a lot of us, without us even realizing, we are influenced by the power of sin in our lives. By the power of doing something against God's word, and is particularly missing the mark. And what does that mean? The thing that God has called you to do, when you miss the mark, the Bible describes it and deems it as sin. So, when Jesus Christ came and he died and he paid the price, how many of you have been taught that Jesus Christ came to pay the price and, and eradicate sin so that you can get born again? So the way that you get born again, you've got to confess all your sin, and then you can get born again. Accept Jesus Christ. You confess your sin, you accept Jesus Christ, and then you're born again. How many of you got taught it like that? Alright, that's how our salvation comes. I want to just deal with some of that, because some of that is, is it's all true, but it's not the fundamental. I want to just break this thing down to the fundamentals today. Okay? What gets you into heaven? We ask these questions. What gets you into heaven? Repentance? Does repentance get you to heaven? No. What gets me into heaven? Accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Is that right? So the minute I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, am I going to go to heaven? Yes. You guys look quite confused. Yes or no? If you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are going to go to heaven. Okay. It actually has nothing to do with the sin issue. Your salvation is directly conditional to one decision. That is, accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Okay. It has absolutely nothing to do with the sin issue. Now, I want us to go and have a look at this scripture, and I'm going to deal with this thing properly now. In 1 John chapter 2 verse 2, Okay, you guys ready? Found it? You guys are electronic, goes quick. Those of you who still find paper. Okay, and here's the, I don't even know how to pronounce this thing, propitiation, I'll get it right, for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. What does it mean? It means that He's our our Savior. He's the substitute of our sins. He substituted Himself for all the sin of the entire world. 
So even the unsaved guy who does not accept Jesus Christ, I want you to see that when Jesus Christ died, He died for the entire world's sin. Every single person's sin was eradicated, okay, from Jesus' viewpoint. So, if that is the case, if Jesus Christ died for everybody's sin, why are we still having a problem with sin today? Number one. Come on. A lot of us still struggle with this sin issue. Doing things wrong. Well, we're going to deal with these things as we go along tonight. This might sound like a bit heavy stuff that we're going into, but I'm going to make it very simple by the time we're finished. John chapter 3 verse 36. It says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. In other words, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, God's wrath is coming on you. So the way that you get born again is by accepting Jesus Christ or you're going to have God's wrath coming on you. In John chapter 14 verse 6, it says, And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. So in other words, the only way that you are going to get to the Father is through Jesus Christ. I like this one, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. I'm establishing one simple fact. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How many of you had this idea somewhere along the line, that if you are good it will help you get saved? Come on, a lot of us have got this thing, even if you don't say it verbally, in your actions you go, okay, well that can't be right, so I'm going to get into trouble for that. You actually sit down and you think that you can do something to change that thing. Well, let me tell you how it works in practice. The only way that you're going to get saved is simply by accepting Jesus Christ. And God says, listen, it's got nothing to do with about what you do. It's got to do with me giving a free gift to you. You know, in John 3.16, we sit down, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son... Okay, so that whoever believeth in him should not perish. It has nothing about repenting from sin. I want you to understand that. I'm going to set us free tonight. Okay, we are going to be set free tonight. Because I believe that there is a bondage put on the church that should never be put on the church. So we, very often, have got this thing that if you do something wrong there is going to be a serious consequence from God's side. God's going to lift His hand from you. Has ever felt like that? If I do something wrong, God's going to lift His hand from me. He's not going to love me anymore. He's going to sit down and say, okay, well you didn't listen, so here comes a judgment on you. Come on, who's felt like that before in your life? Right? I want to tell you right now that that is absolute rubbish. Okay? God is not going to lift anything off your life. Do you know that I've sat down, and this is where it gets very difficult, and it freaks the religious folk. There are guys that are totally backslidden even, but can still operate in the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says that the gifts are without repentance. From God's side, nothing changes. From our side, things start changing. 
Now what does that mean? How does this lot all work? Okay, if the Bible is sitting down and saying, listen, Jesus Christ paid the price for the entire sin of the entire um, human race from that time to the past. Remember, because when he went to hell, he preached to all the saints and he says, how many of you want to get saved? And all the guys go like, okay, we also want to get saved. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the manna. Alright, so he covered the sin of the past, he covered the sin of the present, and all your future sins have been taken care of already. So how does this thing affect me then? Where does sin still become an issue? You see, there are some people who sit down and go, and people have got half of this truth. There are other groups that go, listen, Jesus Christ is the only way to get saved. I agree. Then they say, if Jesus Christ has paid for sin, then I don't need to worry, I can go do whatever I want. Jesus has taken care of it. Okay? Yes, Jesus has taken care of sin. From Jesus' side, sin is not an issue. He will never look at you and sit down and see a whole lot of sin in your life. God says that He sees you as righteous. Okay, now this already freaks your brain. Okay, you go... Well, listen, I'm sure I did something wrong just now. How can God still see me as pure and holy and everything else? Because of what Jesus Christ did. It's not about works. Okay. So now, how is it that sin is even relevant for us? What is the aspect that sin has in my life then? If Jesus Christ has come and He's paid the price for everybody, including those who don't serve Him, how is it that sin is a problem for me? Well, let me explain. In Romans it says this, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, let me put it like this. I love my child. Okay, let's use my child as an example. Alright, which one should I choose tonight? Caden. Okay, I love Caden, he's my child. I have a lot of time for him. I'm unconditionally loving him. He's, you know, he's, he's just awesome. If Caden comes and drinks arsenic, okay, he's gone and poisoned his life. Do you think my love for him is going to change? Come on. I'm going to love him just the same. But he has now restricted himself in his life. If you are taking drugs, and if my son suddenly took drugs and he was on heroin or cocaine or something, he's killing himself, it doesn't change my love for him. It is, I'm more burdened and I'm more worried about the fact that he is killing himself. Are you guys with me? That is the same way that God sees sin. The Bible says wages of sin is death. In other words, the reward, if I practice sin or if I continue in sin, it does not affect my salvation, it affects my life on earth. I'm going to end up with issues. I'm going to end up with all sorts of rubbish in my life. Because the Bible says that if I practice sin, there is a consequence of death that comes on my life. Now, how many times have we had a situation where you have, you have found that things are going negative and it's almost like you're reaping death all the time? Come on, have you ever had that in your life? 
I want to tell you something, that that is a consequence of sin. You will see, if you go back, and we do this very often as a family, if something doesn't flow, we go back to go and see where we went wrong. What do we do wrong that suddenly changed this thing? You see, God tells us to be obedient, but that sin is going to bring a death onto my life. So it's not God doing it, it's me doing it to myself. Now I want us to go and have a look as a good illustration of this. Let's go and look at the story of Joshua when they went into the promised land. And you look at this thing and you see Joshua walking into the promised land. And the first city that they have to conquer is Jericho. And so what happens at Jericho is very interesting. God tells the guys, listen, I want you to walk around Jericho, but I want you to shut up for the entire time that you're walking around Jericho. You may not say anything. Now you know why he told him to do that, eh? Well, remember the guys that are walking into Jericho are the guys that were stuck in the wilderness and they were born in the wilderness. Remember, they weren't the guys who came out of Egypt. Remember, God says, I'm going to kill that whole generation. These are the oaks that are stuck now in the wilderness. So what do they... What have they seen all their lives growing up? Desert, sand, and a bush. Okay? Now suddenly they get to this big walled city. I'm telling you now, when you've got three million people marching around a city, somebody's going to say something dumb. Check this big wall. How on earth are we going to win this thing? Come on. So what does God do? He says, shut up and walk around this thing quietly and just do what I tell you. I want you to see what happens here. God says, listen, when we take Jericho and we are going to take the city, the spoils of the first city come to me, to my house. Very interesting. It's a principle that I've been teaching for years. That we, it's a tithing principle. God always keeps the first for himself. The minute you break that tithing thing, you are actually not putting a curse on yourself. You're lifting God's protection off you. God says that if you tithe, there will be a protection over you and over your things. Even though it looks like sometimes you're going to sink and you're going to go through hell, let me tell you something, you always come out the other end. Because there is a spiritual protection that is on you. So yeah, God says to them, listen, we're going in. The first city is mine. Eden, the one tree is mine. God always holds something back for himself. It is a principle right through the Bible. Okay? So God says, okay, we're going to go in. They go to Jericho, everybody knows the story, they march around, they march around, they shout, the walls come tumbling down. Let me tell you something, I think that those Jews got more scruck than the oaks on the other side. I would have got a scruck. Come on. I shout and this place starts vibrating and falling in. I promise you I would have shouted louder. Come on, you've never seen this stuff before, it's awesome. But you know what happens? One guy decides to take one item... And so what happens? The next battle they go to, they get clapped solid. They get hit so hard. And there Joshua hits the deck and he starts repenting. God rebukes him. He says, Joshua, stand up. He says, bring the tribes in front of, you, in front of me one at a time, one tribe. 
and they start bringing the tribes. When they hit the tribe where they were sitting in the camp, the tribe froze. They just like pillars. They couldn't move. Quite cool, eh? Okay, you other tribes, you can go home now. This tribe, go stand back in the corner there. Then they start by family by family. And when the family that's in, stuck. And then Joshua said to him, listen, you've got a chance to repent. Who's it? And he puts up his hand and says, I took it. Okay? Guess what happened to him? He repented, and then they killed him. See, the consequence of sin is death. You touch something directly against God's word, you are sinning. It's not God putting a curse on you. Listen to me carefully. It's not God judging you. God's going, please, I set before you life and death. Please choose life. And this is where a lot of people go wrong. A lot of people sit down and say, listen, I'm going to dabble with sin and I can do what I want because God's not going to judge me. No, He's not going to judge you. But that sin has a law. There is a law in operation. And the law is, you are going to reap what you sow. If I sow negativity, I will reap negativity. If I sow fear, I will reap fear. If I sow um, stealing, conniving, ripping somebody off, backbiting, gossiping, slander, I mean there's a whole string of stuff. I'm going to reap all of that stuff back. And so that law says, if I sin, that wages or the consequence is going to come back. But what Jesus did was he eradicated that in order that I can get saved. So as a Christian, do you sin? Yes. As a Christian, are you still going to reap the consequences of your sin? Yes. The only difference is this. If I say, God, I'm sorry, I'm immediately set free. So that's why God says that I even give man the power to forgive somebody else their sin. Why? Because God's already done it. It's just one of those things like water baptism. Okay? It's a physical evidence of something that's happened in the spiritual. So if I go to a guy and I say, listen, your sins are forgiven you in the name of Jesus. It's actually correct. Because God said to his disciples, you can go and forgive sin. You know, those religious oaks were mad enough when Jesus himself said, listen, I can forgive sin. Now he tells his disciples, you go tell them that that their sins are forgiven them. That you forgive them. Not God, you forgive them their sin. What is it doing? It's taking condemnation off them. It takes the condemnation off them to know that they are sinless because of what Jesus Christ did. So what happens in my life? And we do this all the time. If we see that there's not a flow, or the things are not moving the way they are, that should be moving, there's not a peace around us, or things are not going right, we go and say, God, what have we done to change this atmosphere? And you know, it can be as simple as just losing your temper. It can be as simple as being ugly to somebody, or speaking bad about somebody. You know, the taxi that just cut you off. And you've got to go tell somebody about it. You know, I just have to go and tell somebody. It just consumes me that there is a taxi that was impatient. You know, I'm telling you right now, that sin is producing a death. So the onus of the sin issue is on your head. 
It's very simple. Choose life. Very simple. But the other side of it is this. Romans 8, verse 1. Write this down. It says, there is, now no, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, there is no condemnation if you are born again. And so the next time you think that something has gone wrong, and that God has lifted His hand, and you are condemned because of your sin, I'm telling you right now, that is a lie from the devil. Okay? And it's amazing how that we put three sins in the category. You know, smoking, drinking, gambling. I don't know what else. What is, the church used to have hats. You know, if you didn't have a hat, you're going to hell. But I'm just saying, we've said these three things are our issue. But gluttony is okay. We don't talk about gluttony. Or gossip. We definitely do that. We share in love. Okay, so I want to tell you right now, it doesn't matter what the sin is, God actually doesn't care. The Bible is very clear, sin is going to produce death in your life. So the issue is this, is not your salvation, not God's love for you, the issue is how much freedom do you want? The issue is how much do you want to walk in freedom, or how much do you want to walk in death and permanently having battles? So it's very simple. You need to get rid of the lie that the devil has placed in your life. Number one. How do I get rid of that? You need to say, devil, you're a liar. My sin is taken care of. And if the devil comes back a second time, you say, God, please forgive me of all my sin. Okay, now it's taken care of. That's what it is. The Bible says, if you ask me to forgive you your sin, I'll be just... And I'll do it immediately. It's sorted out. It will never be mentioned again. And not only is it not mentioned again, I have taken it right out of my memory. As far as the east is from the west, I've removed it, blotted it out, you come back to me, and you won't even know that it was there. Like I said before, the most relevant person who could understand this would have been Judas. If he had repented, he would have been able to understand it because he had messed up solidly. Okay? But Paul understood it. Paul understood it so much, that's why he could sit down and he would go, listen, I have done no man wrong. I've done nothing wrong. Even though he was the murderer, he was the guy who put the guys in prison, he was killing the Christians, and yet he stands here and he goes, I have done no man wrong. Let me tell you something, if anybody could have understood the idea of not having condemnation, or understand this issue of sin, Paul was the guy who had it. What did he say? He said, listen, I've done no man wrong. And he was right, because God had forgiven him of all his sin. And he had a revelation of that thing, so that when he stood there in Corinthians, he says, I've done no man wrong. He was actually telling the truth, because God had eradicated all of his sin. Our condemnation comes back to a simple root. We still want to work for our salvation. We still think we need to earn something with God. I hear it all the time. God's not going to be pleased with you. You're not doing well. You, you did not sit down and read your scriptures today. Or you did not do something. And therefore, you are now less of a Christian. Or, you know, sometimes 
You end up in a situation where, let's say, like now, the school kids are busy studying exams. So you're not getting to as many Christian meetings as you normally would. You're studying, you're trying to do well at school and stuff. And someone comes and goes, well, you're not that spiritual because you haven't been around. I want to tell you, it's all junk. Okay? I need you to understand, if we get a grip of this thing properly, we will be set free forever. The sin issue has been dealt with forever. And don't you go and pick it up again. You know, Galatians chapter 5, I think it's 5 or 6, verse 1. Paul's busy speaking to the Galatians and he goes, You foolish Galatians, who has ensnared you again? In other words, I've got you all set free, you understand this concept, and someone comes and puts a whole bunch of rules back on your head. Who has got you back enslaved to this whole idea that you have to do something right before God's going to bless you or love you? I want you to know that that has been settled, and you need to be free tonight. You need to be free of this condemnation that you have to do something right before God loves you. God loves you so much, all He's asking for is don't go and make a problem for yourself. Don't make your life difficult on earth. I want you to be victorious, but you can only be victorious if you apply the principle that my word says. If you're going to do it your own way, you're going to have consequences on it. If you do it God's way, you're going to have consequences. My way is if you choose the word, you're going to have life. If you choose your own way, you're going to have death. And then so many times we sit down and we go, okay, uh, this person's done me wrong, I need justice and I'm going to go fight. Don't we do that often? And so what do we do? We choose death. Because the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will recompense, says the Lord. The minute I go fight, then God has to judge me, because I have now judged somebody. Do you understand? I've just put myself in the same category. So God's saying, choose life. Choose my word. So what do we have to do? We have to make a decision that the word of God is the highest authority, even if you don't like it. The Word of God is the highest authority. God help me to know what the principles are and help me to apply it. You know, and we deal with it all the time, guys. I mean, we're dealing with a situation now, this week again. Somebody came and really hurt us, somebody who was close to us. Now we're going to sit down and go, okay, what are we going to do in this situation? Are we going to sit down and love them again? And it's not the first time that has happened. You know, we just... You know, you get battered a few times and you go, listen, I'm tired of being battered now. But you know what? We've got to go back and say, what does the word say? The Bible says that if your brother's got ought against you, go and love them. Go and sort it out and say, listen, let's go and sort this thing out. You see, we have got to stick to the word of God. And I'm not doing it for their sake, I'm doing it for my sake. I'm saying, listen, I have to do the word. If the word says this, whether I like it or not, my flesh is screaming one thing, but the word says something else. And so the minute I choose the word, I am choosing life. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If I do it Jesus' way, I'm going to produce life in my life. And so, in a nutshell... My question to you is very simple. 
What are we choosing in our lives? Are you choosing life or are you choosing death? If you're going to start running down natural way, you're going to have death in your life. If you choose God's way, you're going to have life. But I promise you, it is hard to do it. Don't let anybody tell you that it's easy to die to self. You know, Paul makes a statement, he says that I have to keep my flesh under. Why? Because give it three seconds and it's going to come up again. He doesn't sit down and go, well I kill myself once and I'm doodgefrek and that's it, I'm now finished. He says, I keep the flesh under, I keep subduing the flesh, I keep pulling it down. Let me tell you something, in my own walk I have to do it every single day. Every day I have to sit down and say, God, am I doing it according to the word or am I doing it according to what I feel? And let me tell you something, just have a few days when things go wrong or if you're tired or, or there's some pressure, especially this time of the year, you know, there's a lot of pressure starting to build because it's now coming near Christmas and whatnot. And so everybody's working very hard and everybody's busy. And so all of a sudden, you're not your loving self anymore. In that pressure time, what choices are you making? See, unfortunately, the raw doesn't sit down and say, okay, I'll give you grace. Because you're under pressure, or you're tired, or you're sick or something. The law works whichever way. So whether you are falling apart, stick to the truth. No matter how bad you're feeling, stick to the truth. What are you doing? You are sowing for your future. It's going to come back to you. I want to tell you something. When I was offended, and for those two years that I was really offended, man, I sowed offense. I was good at it. I had a degree in offense. Man, I had my whole gang of people around me that were offended, and we were all offended because we were united on a common cause. And yeah, the cause was, wasn't right. You know, they weren't doing the right thing. But I had this gang, man. Let me tell you something. It wasn't long before I started to reap offenses. I've reaped people not, and it was totally uncalled for. When I reaped all of that stuff that I had sown for two years, I'm telling you what, I had stuff done to me that I could not, I don't want my worst enemy to go through. I mean, you know, the, the onslaught of stuff that I reaped from that. But let me tell you something, then in the midst of that second round, when I was reaping, I said, I'm not going to do this again, because I'd learned from the first round. I said, God, this time I'm going to sow mercy. I'm going to sow favor. I'm going to sow love. It is against everything my flesh is telling me. And everybody around me saying, Arthur, why aren't you standing up and fighting for yourself? I'm going, there's no ways I'm going to do it this round. I'm going to let God fight my battle. I'm going to love. You know the result has been now? Now I'm reaping favor wherever I go. Now I'm reaping peace. Now I'm reaping all of the blessing and stuff. Stuff that is so easy. Let me tell you something. Ministry-wise, there are a lot of pressures and stuff that I've got. But let me tell you something. Ministry-wise, it's the easiest I've ever had it. Why? Because I kept on sticking to the word even though the battles were there. I want to tell you something. Janine loves that scripture that says you sow in winter. In other words, when it looks like the toughest, you sow the word. You sow the right stuff. You sow life. Even though it looks like you, everything's dead around you. It's like a war zone. You sow peace. You sow joy. You sow everything. I'm telling you right now, it's the quickest way to get you out of that season. It's the quickest way to get you out of that thing. So tonight I want to close with this. Number one, your salvation 
is determined on one thing, you accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sin issue has been dealt with properly once and for all. If you have any condemnation around that, you need to say, God, lift this condemnation. Nothing I can do, right or wrong, is going to impact or influence your hand on my life, or your influence in my life. I am poisoning my own life. I am making it tough for myself if I continue in sin. Why? Because I'm opening the door up for the devil. You know, that's what the Bible says, like strife. If you've got strife, James 3 verse 15, 16, it says this, wherever strife is, every form of evil is loosed. So if there's fighting in your homes, or fighting around you, I'm telling you right now, every evil comes in there. See, we've got to be careful in what we're doing. I don't want death in my life anymore. And let me tell you something, it's taken a lot of time and effort to sit down and break habits. You know, I grew up in a family where if somebody chirped you, you chirped them back faster than what they said something. I'm telling you what, we were so sharp with our mouths, we would fight, we would bicker. You can ask my mother, it was years of just fighting and screaming and carrying on in my house. And you know, I thought that was normal. Just make sure you fasten the guy next to you with your mouth and you could win the fight. And guess what? That whole lot just sowed death across the whole family. See, and I decided that's it. I'm not going to have death on my family. And it took a heck of a lot of effort to sit down and say, in the midst of this fight, I am going to sow life. I'm going to release the word. I'm going to bless my family. I'm going to release blessing over my kids, no matter what's coming my way. Let me tell you something the result has been. I've got a wonderful, united family. No matter what goes, no matter how tough things have been, our family is okay. We love each other. We want to be together. When my family would sit down, my kids would get hold of me and say, Dad, can we just get together? Let's just hang out together. What do you want to do? No, it doesn't matter. We just want to hang out. See, our family is well and healthy because of this principle. I don't want sin in my house. As far as possible, everybody in my house tries to stick to the word and release the word. But I don't want you to get under condemnation when you do sin. Okay? It is not an issue from God. He doesn't worry about your sin. He's going, please get rid of it because you're hurting yourself. And if you're going through a battle, that's what the Bible says, we need to overcome. You're not going to overcome in your own strength. But if you know God's on your side and He's going to help you overcome this thing. It's like if my child calls me and says, Dad, I've taken um, arsenic, please help me with this. I'm going to help him. Go on, don't you think I'm going to help my own son? If he calls for help? When you sit down and call for help and say, God, help me with this sin. I need to overcome this thing. God's going to give you the power and the anointing to do it. That's why the Holy Spirit is inside of you to help you. You've got to call on God and say, God, I want to eradicate this death out of my life. I want to eradicate this sin. Because Jesus Christ is alive. So tonight I want to tell you, in in closing, the power of sin is the degree that you allow it. It's got nothing to do with God. God says there is no power of sin over your life. Because He's cancelled it out. If you sit down tonight and say, God, please forgive me my sin, it's cancelled out immediately. 
So you're not going to sit down, and a lot of people will sit down and go, okay, well, we're going to be there this big screen one day, and God's going to show you your whole life story and everything you've ever done wrong, and you know, we're going to go through everything where you're ugly to somebody, or you had an affair, and you did all of this, and we're going to have this big screen, and we're going to judge you with all of this stuff. God's not going to do that. Your reward is going to be, okay, have you done what I asked you? I asked you to do this. Did you do this? I asked you to do this. Did you do this? Because I'm going to give you a reward for that. I'm going to give you a promotion for that. You're going to either be running cities or you're going to be ruling. I'm raising up an army. That's why we're on earth. So that when we get to reigning properly, I am here to give you your position in my government. That's what the reward is for Christians. The unsaved are going to be judged for every bit of sin and not accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. They are going to be judged head on for everything that they have decided to do in their lives. Because they are not forgiven of their sin. Why? Which unsaved guy goes to God and asks forgiveness? The Bible says if you ask forgiveness, you'll be forgiven. But if you don't ask forgiveness, you're not going to be forgiven. So the unsaved guy is just living his life. He doesn't care. So guess what? That sin's not cancelled out. He's the guy that's going to have the big screen and God's going to go, this is what you did. Let's hold you responsible for everything that you did. So tonight, it's a very simple choice. Choose life. Choose life. Say, God, no matter how hard it is, I'm going to do what the Word says. God, I thank you right now that you set me free of all the sin. I'm not condemned. I walk out of here free. I am free. If I do something dumb, I say, sorry God, and it's over. Let's move on. Because God wants us to grow up. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you right now that we as Christians are not going to fall into this trap of trying to work out our salvation in the sense of trying to do something good so that you can accept us. Lord, I thank you that you have not only paid the price for sin for our lives, but for every single person on this planet. And Lord, all we have to do is say we're sorry. Lord, I thank you right now that any condemnation that is on any believer right now, that it be broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, that we can go as radical as what Paul said, and that is that I have done nothing wrong to any person and really mean it before you. God, I thank you right now that this bondage comes of us in the name of Jesus. Lord, that this thing is broken off. But Lord, I pray right now that we will not poison ourselves. Lord, that we will not reap death into our lives because we are doing it in our own strength. But God, that from tonight, we will really try and live according to your word. Lord, that we will sow life no matter how hard it is and no matter how tough it becomes. Lord, we will sow life because we will reap but in Jesus' mighty name we thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, folks, for listening to today's message. I trust that you are blessed by it. If you would like to receive these message links directly to your phone, please WhatsApp me on my direct number, 082-659-2224, or if you have any questions that I might be able to help you with. And remember that we've got many, many other resources available for you. So please have a look at our website, www.fathersheart.co.za. Also, subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes and search for Arthur Frost and subscribe to my sermons podcast. May we be richly blessed as we apply the truth of God's word as he reveals it to us. Many blessings and God bless.